Hey guys, it's Paul, combat veteran, MMA fighter, YouTuber, and occasional caffeine addict, and welcome to another episode of the Combat Veteran Breakdown Podcast. It's a mouthful. I should maybe shorten that. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for joining me on this weekly deep dive into whatever nonsense sort of strikes my fancy, right? For those of you that have come here from the other channels, the React channels, welcome. Um, So today I wanted to talk about one of the things that bothers me about social media. And there are a lot. And I say this as someone who actually makes money on, I guess YouTube is a social media, right? But I have an Instagram, so therefore all my criticisms have at least a tiny grain of hypocrisy. But at least I'm putting it out there out front. Now, what bothers me so much about, I mean, all all platforms are the same. Literally at this point, it feels like they are literally the same when like I can go on Facebook and they are showing me TikToks. I go on Instagram. I see more TikToks. I go on TikTok. I see Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts. They all are literally the same content recycled and recycled. Sometimes I can see the original TikTok, and then someone puts it inside of a frame that has the same caption as the original TikTok, and then puts it on Instagram Reels, and then that, that Instagram Reel will get reposted to Facebook and re-watermarked by a different uh, shady site, group, entity that is recycling that content again and again and again. And, but specifically, I wanted to talk about finance TikTok. Finance TikTok is, it's not even the worst, but I think it's emblematic of the worst parts of the social media landscape. Now, what am I talking about? Well, here's here is what I mean. When you click on finance TikTok, in fact, let's let's do it. Let's pull up some finance TikTok I got here, right? Boom, there we go. Okay, so I searched for, I created a TikTok account just for this because, you know, my self-respect is going ever steadily into the gutter. And I searched for a simple hashtag investing. Now, for those of you that know me, you might remember that I have a master's degree in economics, right? And I, as part of my job, routinely am involved in high-level sort of government financing and uh, contracting, right? So I have a sense, I like to believe a fairly good sense, of how this is all supposed to work, right? So when I search for investing, I see that a lot of people on TikTok are there to give advice, which is not intrinsically bad, right? This is one of the better things about social media is that it's a medium of exchange of information. But let's take a look at the top TikToks. Now let's let's start here. The first hit under videos is is someone named Tosh Tosh Invests. Tosh Invests. Uh, let's see what Tosh Invests has to say. That's not. Her. I have a hundred thousand dollars invested. If I never invest another dollar, I'll have over 1.4 million at 63. That's a pretty cool amount to retire on. Even cooler though, if I keep huh? investing. Okay, so, all right, I'll to let get my current out. rate, I'll have 8.4 million in 40 years. Investing is cool, and if you're young, you've got time on your side. Okay, that's totally legit, especially if she is from Australia, where their Australian dollars are a little bit devalued relative to US dollars. Um, that is mathematically correct. 
and a 7% rate of return is is actually not like bananas, right? That's uh, on par with the historic average of the S&P 500. So right there, if you're a young person going to TikTok for financial advice, you just received some solid, solid advice. But now let's look at the next video on there. It's this guy, and it's already not great because it's a a 40-something-year-old guy, and he's going to talk to us from inside of his car, which if there's one thing veteran YouTube has taught me, it's that t someone ranting at you from inside their car is always going to be terrible. 18 years old, buying junk houses like this, where the grass is tall, moss on the roof, jump cars in the driveway, this is where you can make money at. Do the research on the property, find out who the owner is, find out their contact, and then call them and say this, any thoughts on when you might consider selling that property? If the owner say yes, then make them an offer and put it under contract. Then find an investor and then sell the contract to the investor for a fee of $10,000. Once the investor closed, then he can give you a check for $10,000 after closing. This is called wholesaling. Do this once a month, you guys, and you can make over $100,000 a year. Got it? Guys, that is the most nonsense idea I have ever heard, right? I am sure, I'm, I'm sure someone in this country absolutely can do that as a middleman but here's the thing who is that person you notice twice in his thing twice in his scheme he expects an 18 year old to one research the property owner and contact the owner okay maybe you can pull it off then maybe you can pull that off on google get some zillow whatever sure 18 year olds can google like they're going out, like it's going out of style now, ask them if they're interested in selling and make them a fair offer. Uh, okay, so the 18-year-old is going to make them a fair offer. How do they know what constitutes a fair offer on a dilapidated place? Because in order to know that, you would actually have to know approximately what the repairs are going to cost. You would have to be a contractor, or you'd have to have a contractor on call to give you a quote on doing things, right? That's what... Is, and then you would, of course, have to lower that cost to get out a profit. So pricing that real estate is really, really quite tough. Second, to make someone an offer, you have to be pre-approved by a bank. As you may recall, banks don't like to lend people to people with no money. Do you know any 18-year-olds with enough capital or even enough income to get a loan for even a $50,000 house? course not especially not one that will never pass inspection because remember to close on a house right a bank is going to want to have it be appraised and it should come back at, at you know something like the value you've sold it at but as you just as we just discussed for you to make money you have to you know become under appraisal under the value of the house right so again you have this, you're assuming this like ultra savvy 18 year old who for some reason has outstanding credit, even though literally they have been legally able to have credit for what, six months, you know? Yeah, this already is, is nonsense. Then he goes, find an investor. Oh, oh, find an investor. You know, that thing that every single startup since... 2004 has struggled to do that thing that is the hardest part of starting a business 
finding another person who has a lot of money who's willing to give you that money on the promise of of of, of a future return how are you going to find an investor for a house that by definition sucks again you can do it someone is probably doing it but that someone is probably someone who knows every single house flipper in their metro area and literally is like calling people and being like hey i can't i don't have time to flip this property because i'm flipping four others but you can make some money on it give me 10 a 10k finders fee and again you're assuming that this is a person who knows the difference because even it even a routine flip right even a livable house when you flip it it's like a trope you always find more issues than you thought. It's always going to be more expensive. And that is if you're a savvy flipper who knows what to look for. If you're an 18-year-old, you're going to be totally blind to the problems in that house. It could be a teardown, right? And again, if it isn't, you think another investor isn't going to come in and swoop this up, which once again leads to the fact that how is an 18-year-old going to sell someone else on this property? And I don't even want to listen to this guy. His, vo his voice annoys me. His existence annoys me. Then he's like, oh, at closing, get your $10,000. Uh, what? Your bank is going to have a lot of questions like, why are you not selling that house? How do you sell a contract? Your name is still on that contract. Like, yeah, your bank is going to be furious. And wholesaling, uh, I don't even think he spells wholesaling correctly here. Um, yeah, I think it's missing an E. It, it's spelled like wholesaling. The point of this is that also this isn't wholesaling. This isn't what wholesaling is. Wholesaling is, is bulk purchasing of a product and selling it to retailers. There's a wholesaler who sells to retailers. That's, that's what wholesaling is. Right. So is that not really if you tell someone you're a wholesaler and that's what you do, they won't believe you one because it's not really possible. But two, this isn't this is just this is nonsense. This is nonsense. Right. So, again, right now, TikTok is batting 50 percent. There is a 50 percent chance that you will get solid advice or a 50 percent chance that you will have a 40 year old man in a hoodie that says burr. Uh, telling you to go go f defraud your bank. Oh, I don't have enough dollars. Okay, here's another one. To do that, sure you do. Just invest in a low-cost index fund that tracks. Uh, yeah, Should yeah. I buy Tesla stock? Yes. What about Amazon stock? Why not? How about Google, Apple, and Facebook stock? Buy all of them. Oh, I don't have enough dollar to do that. Sure you do. Just invest in a low-cost index fund that tracks the S&P 500. Are you speaking English? Yeah, put simply, you own a piece of the top 500 companies in the USA. In one easy investment. Wow, I never knew you could do that. Hey, man. Okay, again, here we go. And now we're at the next one is good advice. That's reasonable advice. Though it's, it's told by literally the most boomer-looking guy I have ever seen. He calls him Mark Tilbury, YouTuber and CEO. See, again, here, here's the thing. The guy that did this one was Thatch Wynn, who calls himself RE Broker Investor Developer. Right? You're just like, how do you know the difference? I mean, YouTuber and CEO sounds like, it sounds like what Jake Paul calls himself. So, like, who do you trust? Right? Hi, my name's Tash, and at 20... 
Okay, here we go. Here's Tosh Invest. If I never invest- Oh wait, we, we looked at this woman. Yeah, here's another one. I am 18 years old. I have five incredible sources of income. I pay for all of my own bills. I have my own car. I am moving out on my own in June. I am self-employed and I am telling you this because a year ago today, I was working at Dairy Queen. Okay, well that's because at 18, that's because if you're not 18, you can't do anything. You can't legally, you can't even legally own a stock at 18. So you want to be financially free, you want to make money, you want to learn how to keep money, watch this video. Number one. This video is 59 seconds long, by the way. And FYI, this is the entirety of basically, this is like every undergrad, like econ degree, FYI. This is also, if you can learn how to make and keep money, uh, you should teach at Wharton because that's what they're also trying to do. Get the stereotypes out of your head. You are not a failure just because you didn't go to college or university right away. I didn't know what I wanted to be, so obviously I wasn't going to put myself in student debt for something I don't know. Five sources of income. We have this. That that's not advice. That's the opposite of advice. That's like um, she's just telling you what not to do, which is not the same thing as a plan. This idea in our head that every single source needs to make us thousands of dollars, that is false. Think about it like this. If you have one source of income and you lose that source of income, bro, you got zero. If you have five sources of income and you lose one of them, bro, you got four. Mm, that's not how this works at all. For example, I too have five sources of income. I, I think I have way more than that. But guess what? Let's say I have 10. Well, I'll tell you, nine of them make me less than $1,000 a month right? So right there, this is a terrible perspective. Like I'm grateful for every source of income that that comes in and everything helps. But to act like they are all equal is, well, the sort of nuance that you would expect from an 18 year old, right? Yes, I understand that you have a business selling old clothes. But if it makes you $25 a month, guess what? It's not going to help you. Right now is the perfect time to hustle, perfect time to turn around your life because it's not even like you're going to be sacrificing missing parties. They're not happening. That's it. I That's it. She didn't tell us anything, anything at all. Literally, her entire guidance was in order to make money, you have to make money. We know you have to make money to be rich. This is this is. I guess in theory, you could also be rich if you're just born into wealth, which I imagine she is because, again, she she's moving out in June. Like, okay, if you're so rich, why you got to move out in June, you know? Ugh. Oh, and this is the best one. This is the best one. This, this is just a guy showing screenshots of stocks I've never heard of. Upwork, Planet 13... Sports entertainment that doesn't even sound like a real company. That sounds like that sounds like the screenshot of a and you can literally see it, sports entertainment it, it doesn't appear to have like any trading volume Literally, I think he is the only shareholder of sports entertainment because you can see At the end of the day, it just went flat it did This this isn't this isn't how investing works like this person hasn't told us why these are good companies Right. If you've seen Wolf of Wall Street, you know what a boiler room is. That's the idea that you take these fly-by-night companies, you 
pump them up to investors and you get lots of investors to go in and buy them. And once a couple of investors get duped into buying them, other investors will see, wow, sports entertainment has gone up 40% this year. And they will pile in just because of the hype, just because it's a well-performing stock. And then the last phase of the pump and dump scheme, again, as our friend Jordan Belfort told us, is you sell your shares before and then leave the suckers holding the bag of this worthless company because the company was never worth anything, right? And this is when people talk about due diligence, this is what they're talking about. They're talking about taking the time to understand why something is a good investment, right? And this idea of due diligence and why something is a good investment, there are, there are levels to this, right? There are levels. And actually, let's pull up a Google Doc, and we will talk about what I mean by levels here. Right? I'm, I'm channeling some Devin Nash because I love Devin Nash. Right? Level one in investing is going to be something like rumor, right, or something a, a sentiment. So this would be someone who is buying based on things like I like airline x because i fly them all the time or i like uh tesla because my buddy who's smart also says tesla is a cool company right that is there's not really analysis and there's not really like a rationale it's counting on something else having a rationale right the second level of investing of due diligence would be something like anecdote right and an anecdote as opposed to like real data is usually a singular like datum a singular point and that would be something like i drove a tesla and it is the coolest car i've ever driven right or wow i saw this i saw this uh I went into a casino and it was really nice. And I said, I want to own a part of this casino, right? So that's not like real information, right? It is, it's, it's data, right? You've thought you're thinking with at least an investor's mentality of, I find a company I like for a reason and I believe it will grow in the future. And so I will invest in it, right? But you, you've just done anecdote, right? You've, you've relied on a singular point of data. Just like if someone cuts you off, right? Let's say, let's say a bald dude cuts you off in traffic, right? And you go, bald people can't drive for crap, right? But you don't know if that's true. Maybe they do. Maybe, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe just you just solve one bald dude, right? And so that's the problem with anecdote, right? You could you could see something. We should say I flew on this airline and I had a really pleasant experience. Well, maybe, maybe. Maybe all airlines are giving pleasant experiences, and it's you haven't found anything exceptional about that company. Maybe you happen to get a pleasant experience when no one else did, right? That's the problem with anecdote. Okay, the third level, the third level is some sort of of like vision or like forward vision or like a forward look. Okay, what is a, a vision or forward look? That would be some sort of sense of the company moving from the present into the future, right? 
And this is where you really start to see um, some level of savvier investor. And but again, there's not really a lot of there's not a lot of analysis taking place, but there is thought. So, it, for example, you say, "I think um, AI is going to be a future growth industry," and so I'm going to buy three AI companies that are working on artificial intelligence. Right? That is a vision of the future, and a like rational decision to invest right now you're getting into like a rational investor you pick companies working on things that you believe will produce value and growth into the future okay but again it's that simple a narrative okay now four and five are where we're going to get into some some real actual thoughtful investors number four is going to be the like financial reading that's what we'll call it this is when someone has a little bit of training right where they say okay i understand how to look at a company's financials and i will decide if i want to invest in that company so they will ask themselves how much debt does this company have how much revenue does it have is it growing is it shrinking does it seem like it's well run is it stable is it does it pay dividends? What's its PE ratio? Right? This is someone who is actually not afraid to look at the relevant statistics. And again, it doesn't have to be all of them, right? But there's some key statistics that really tell us a lot about the health of a company. And if it's publicly traded, that information is publicly available. And so this sort of financial look is um Usually where most people who are going to, in my opinion, and from what I have seen, most people who are going to make money investing in the long term can it, are at least capable of understanding this, right? They are at least able to understand what constitutes different you know, measures of value and measures of the health of a company. But the fifth and final level, in my opinion, is integrated investing, Right? This is when you take sort of the narrative and the data and you combine them. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, here, here's an example, right? And I, I, I actually don't like Tesla. I feel like there's too many warning signs, but I'll give, but they're a really good example is that one, you have this vision, you say electric cars are the future, okay? But then you do a data-driven look. You say, hey, today, Electric cars make up 10% of the market, but I know that the government wants to provide tax incentives for people to get electric cars. And many people have said they don't, you know, surveys have shown that people spend a lot of money on gasoline and that gasoline may increase in price in the future. Therefore, I think that the, that 10 years from now, 50% of cars will be electric. And you say, okay, then you do the same you so you do you have a vision but you do data analysis to verify whether that vision is correct or not and then you look at the company's health you look at the you do the same data analytics on the company itself how is its revenue how is its debt how high is it trading now right and then if you're really good 
if you're if you're a long-term investor, you probably don't have a price target. You just want to ride out the company until it realizes its vision, until 50% of cars are electric, right? But some people, some investors will actually establish price targets. For example, they'll say, I think Tesla will double its revenues in the next five years, which means I expect to see Tesla achieve a valuation level of X, right? It, you know, based on its debt load and everything else. And so the, that is the top level of investor, right? But here's the thing that's even scarier, right? Is that even if you're capable of doing all that, on the other side of those trades are often, almost always, extremely, extremely well-capitalized investment banks, hedge funds, pension funds, venture capital funds, family offices, and a host of other actors who have, one, human beings who are literally geniuses, who are recruited explicitly to become experts, often in one company or one small sector, and to know intimately all the players in that, right? And so, for example, someone, let's say a JP Morgan credit analyst, may actually be... I don't know, following the social media of Tesla executives or maybe even talking to former Tesla employees to, to get a sense of really how well run the company is when you can get around that, um, get around that uh, sort of veil of you know, public relations. Uh, and even more worrying is that often these companies also have automated trading algorithms. These algorithms can read subtle fluctuations and are programmed to forecast both the short and long-term valuation changes in these companies. And so they could see something in Tesla that either you and I as a human can't see or that, that can be created by the AI. Remember, because these algorithms, these AIs, they if they are doing trades on behalf of, say, Goldman Sachs, they can just crash Tesla's stock price. They may not be able to crash it, but they can influence it, especially if it's not something big like Tesla, but something small like sports entertainment. They could easily just buy some shares slowly over time, sell them all on the same day, and crash the stock making it look like you have lost out on an investment. And in some ways, that can actually, the a flash crash can actually ruin a company, right? Even though they're ba even if their base business model is still good. So it's sort of like you are, as a, as a you know, Excel spreadsheet investor, you are plugging away in a, a, like a sailing ship, right? With Canon. And on the opposite side, of some of your trades could be a you know a littoral combat ship or an aircraft carrier right something so powerful that your ability to oppose it is basically nil right and this is why modern portfolio theory loves these ETFs these broad based uh, investment vehicles that track major indices it's because that way you are rarely going against the battleships, right? You are always going to be behind and on the same side 
as these behemoth aircraft carriers, right? So your little ship wants to just stay on the side of the firepower and not end up opposite it more often than not, right? Or if you're going to be opposite it, be opposite it with your own, with a navy of your own, right? So anyway, that is, I think, so overall, again, I think this is emblematic of social media generally. And the problem is, is that I actually know enough to distinguish nonsense TikTok advice from quality TikTok advice, but not many other people can. And I worry about this too, because I may know enough about investing, but I don't know about everything, right? There are so many areas of the world that I'm curious about that I want to know more, but without a full understanding of the situation, I can't distinguish a true fact and a fake one. And if we, as we've seen here, the top four videos from TikTok on finance or investing are like a 50-50 split between nonsense and sound advice. And again, I'm a 34-year-old guy. I have seen every scam in the world, right? As far as I know, very few of them have actually gotten any money out of me. But if you're 18, if you're 20, you're, you're going to know so little. And it's going to be so easy to be taken by these authoritative sources who all sound equally authoritative. The woman advocating for compound interest sounded just as certain as the person who was telling you to you know, buy a house that is falling apart and magically find an investor who will buy it off you. So, you know, whenever you see anything on social media, whether it feels true or not, unless you are already like an expert in the field, I would encourage you to approach it with a great degree of skepticism, right? And that is the point of this. You shouldn't even listen to my advice because frankly, I think I can be wrong all the time. I worry all the time, actually, about being wrong because this is a really the finances and the economy are really complex. The best experts in the world struggle to model it, struggle to understand it. There's a reason you get a Nobel Prize if you can figure out why people spend so much damn money on lattes but never save for retirement. They literally gave someone a Nobel Prize for figuring that out, right? So I say that because. You shouldn't listen to me for financial advice, but you should listen to me when I tell you that you can't trust the stuff you see on TikTok. It's got a 50% success rate at best, at best. And so if somebody says something that seems wild and crazy, too good to be true, right? It probably just is, guys. If it sounds salacious, if it sounds like a like a sharp, clean, cutting like scathing 15 second remark it's probably not true or is something that's like loosely related to the truth but has been so scaled down that it's nonsense sort of like the wholesaling guy all right i'm sure someone in the united states that is their business but i'm sure that that is not that is an extremely niche specialty business that is only well-suited for an ultra-experienced, ultra-savvy real estate flipper, real estate investor. Not for 18-year-olds, right? What the 18-year-olds should do is work at Dairy Queen. All right, guys.
and invest your money. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Uh, this was a lot of fun, as always. Thanks so much for watching. Uh, be sure to follow the other two YouTube channels. Um, if you're listening to this on Spotify, uh, I will try to figure out a way to link to them in the description. But you should check out my channels, MHGR, Combat Veteran Reacts. Follow me on Twitch. And yeah, thanks so much. I'll see you guys next time.